This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 37 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm here every week talking with you about the mental side of sports. Look forward to doing the show with you every week and getting into a discussion with you about mindsets and attitudes and self-confidence. And obviously, as we've been uh, talking the last few weeks, our world has changed. And it's changing rapidly by the day. We're in a crisis. We're in a very serious situation with the coronavirus. And it's spreading and it's getting worse. The United States is essentially shutting down. States are now asking communities and their areas to shut down. This show originates in Kansas City. Our show is podcasted throughout the world and rebroadcast throughout the country in a number of cities later in the week. And here in Kansas City, we've been in a shutdown since last Tuesday. And the state of Kansas yesterday issued a shutdown for the state. And it's happening around the country. And it's happening around the world. We're in a serious situation here. This is a show about sports psychology, but we're really expanding the show about life now because we're all dealing with it. This pandemic is spreading. It's getting worse. People are dying in the United States now has more deaths and more cases than, than anywhere else. I believe I know more cases and I, I'm not sure about the deaths, but definitely more, more cases than anywhere in the country or in the world. Excuse me. Not as many deaths, but definitely more cases. And a lot of that's because it's a big country and it's the testing is improving. But we're in a situation now where people are shut in their homes. So if you're an athlete, if you're someone who plays sports, it's your career. I know I work with a number of professional athletes who've been consulting with me. Doc, how am I going to train? What am I going to do? They're trying to be imaginative. Many dreams have been destroyed by this virus. High school, college sports, seasons ended. Professional and amateur seasons have ended, temporarily at least. The Olympics was postponed for a year this week. Now it will be in 2021, which I think is obviously a wise decision because how could you possibly have all these athletes showing up at Japan where the crisis is bad and it may not be cleared up? How could they show up there if they haven't been able to train? So I think that was an inevitable decision and, and the right decision. Hopefully this thing will get controlled, but we don't know. Sabrina Ionescu, and I hope I'm saying her name right, the Oregon basketball star who spoke at Kobe Bryant's memorial service, projected to be the top draft pick in the WNBA draft. She said she's got to contend with having had the biggest stage of her career ripped away 
first with the death of Bryant, then with the cancellation of the NCAA season. She goes, I've learned to embrace the journey more, the moments more. It's a hard journey, all of it. Nothing is promised, there aren't any guarantees. I wanted to say that because I don't think anything could have been stated any better. We're in an unknown time now with unknown situations. And I want to know how you're coping. We're going to be joined in a little while in our second segment by Dr. Stephen Renwick, who's been on the show before. He is in England. He's going to be calling in from England live to talk with us how things are going over there, how athletes are dealing with the coronavirus crisis and the psychological effects it has. And so I'd like to hear from you. I want to open up our phone lines right away. How are you handling this? Especially if you're an athlete, if you're a coach, if you're someone who plays sports, how are you dealing with the lack of sports? How are you dealing with the lack of training? What are you doing about your training? This will end at some point, and we're all going to need to get back to whatever normal life will be at that point. It may be different than it is now. But how are you coping with this? If you're an athlete, are you able to do some imaginative training, some adjustments to your training? You're doing things differently. You've got to figure things out because you're probably doing it by yourself. Let's face it. If you're on a team sport, you can't be around your teammates. You can't train with them. And you've got to be smart. This, this is now, you know, when, when we're asked to self-quarantine to stay in our homes, unless it's a, essential to go out, you've got to do it. And I'm doing it. I do sessions on the phone now instead of seeing people in person I do FaceTime sessions or sessions on the phone with my clients it's been an adjustment it's not easy I like the the interpersonal contact that we get to have when you're in the same room but we've got to make adjustments and the mental strain this is taking on people is starting to, to show the stress the anxiety the pressure is starting to show so I'd like to hear from you how you're dealing with this Blake you've got to come to work every day does the producer engineer my show how are you doing you've got to come in here and deal with this how are you dealing with all this i'm doing pretty good so far i uh obviously this is not my full-time job because i i have to work on the weekends so i have to do something during the week i also work over at cumulus media so it's been tough because everybody has been out i thought radio would kind of be the stability in my life and it's being tougher and tougher to work consistently because we have less things to talk about. Well, what about life without real sports? I mean, we're seeing now, if you watch TV, you're seeing replays of great, great games. I, I know yesterday I was listening uh, on the radio and it turned it on while I went to the grocery store and there was a replay of the KU Memphis NCAA championship basketball game from 2008, which, of course, as a Kansas fan, and former their, formerly their sports psychologist, I enjoyed listening to that. But we're hearing and watching replays of things. Yeah, it's um, I've never experienced something like this in my life because well, no one has. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, it's uh, it's kind of been a it's really been what, what do you call it? a shock shock value? It's really been a a shock to the system because I've never been through something like this where sports hasn't been going i mean we've i remember i was very 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 young when 9 11 happened i mean that that was a shock to the system for everybody so but to 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 have sports come to a to an absolute halt in a job where we work 
in something like that. You're a sports psychologist. I'm a sports commentator. And to have sports come to a stop has been something I've never experienced in my life. So, Well, it's, it's, it's been an adjustment for everyone. And we're going to talk to Dr. Renwick here in a few minutes on our, our next uh, segment. He comes on the earth that's from England about how they're dealing with things over there because, you know, the world the world is going to be different now. I mean, and we don't know how this will turn out. You know, everyone's saying eventually things will get back to normal. But what will normal be? We don't know. You know, uh, we're asked now to keep our social distance from people. You know, I, I know when you get to the, the grocery store to get some food, everyone's standing six feet apart. You know, the, the checkers have gloves on. Some of them had masks on. And it's, you know, it's like going into a hospital in some senses. And there's such so many problems going on today. But I'd like to hear from our listeners if how you're handling the stress, the pressure of all this. Because it is very stressful. It puts pressure on you. You're, you're staying at home. How are you handling If you're an athlete and you can't train the way you normally would want to train, I would like to hear from you and find out how you're coping, what you're doing to get by. If you're a coach and your athletes are speaking to you, calling you, what are you telling them? You know, what are you saying to them when they call you and say, Coach, how can I deal with this? As I said, Stephen Renwick is going to be on with us here in a few moments after our break. We're going to talk with him about how things are going in England. But I'd like to hear from you also how you're coping, how you're reacting to this, because this is a time we've never we've never experienced. This is something we've never experienced before. And it's it's difficult for everybody. We're all human. We all have feelings. We all have emotions. How are you coping? I'm sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section, when dad injured his back, when your basketball star tore his ACL. Opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them, just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. 
pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets, anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section. When dad injured his back, when your basketball star tore his ACL, opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets, anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Good morning, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB. This is a worldwide crisis now. It's not just located in China or Italy or the United States. It's all over the place. Everyone's being affected. And the sports world is basically not happening right now. And it's not just here in the United States, in Kansas City, or around, around the country, but all over the world. And joining us now from England is Stephen Renwick. He's been with us before. And we're going to talk about how the coronavirus is affecting things in England and how he's dealing with this and what he's doing with his clientele, because Stephen works with athletes as well. So, Stephen, thank you for joining us this morning. Morning. How are you? I'm great. What? So it's uh, what, early afternoon there, right? Uh, yeah, about 20 past 12. Tell us, tell us how you're handling everything over there. How are you doing, first of all? Uh, yeah, I mean, basically, oh, I'm good. Um, I basically converted the back garden into a gym, and... Uh, the garage is in a gym as well, and uh, because I do like doing exercise, um, so we just adapted everything really, so we can still do exercise. Now, are you guys in uh, a quarantine in in England? Where you live? What part of England are you living in? In Manchester. Okay. So you've got a lockdown. You have a total lockdown, and uh, so you can leave your house to what? Go to the grocery store or something essential, but that's about it. We can leave the house for medication. 
Um, we can leave the house for exercise for half an hour or to go and get essential food and stuff. Okay, and how long will that be lasting, have they said? Indefinitely? Uh, I don't know, but I think um, it's probably going to be another month or so. At least, I would have thought. So you've converted your garden to a, in, in, in garage into exercise areas? Yeah. And yeah. Do, do you live alone, or are you, do you have a partner or a family? Or? Yeah, I've got a partner over here, so we, we, we do workouts together. Um, we'll, we'll do a run for half an hour outside and then come in and then carry on doing some exercise in the garden and then some weights in the gym, in the garage. Okay. And how, how, how are you do, dealing with all that emotionally? I mean, you're a former well, professional tennis player, so you know about training. You know how, what that's about. Yeah, I think it's about trying to get some structure to your day and not just sitting around doing nothing all day. And isn't that yeah. really one of the biggest problems that everyone's facing is being locked down, shut down, quarantined in your home? We are a society of people that gets outside. We're not a society of people just stays home in, 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 in the world. That's how we live our lives. So this is a whole new way of living now, temporarily, hopefully temporarily. Okay, so you just said something very important. Get some structure. So you're putting some structure. So are you setting up a, a timetable to work out, a sort of a time of day when you're going to work out and then maybe do something else like reading or, you know? Well, I do. Um, I started doing Peloton on the bike, the classes on, on, the, uh, on the Peloton bike. Um, but I've never done that before. I've started running more on the road. And I've started doing um, a bit more reading on psychology and stuff like that. And I'll try and set some goals for the day and set some tasks for the day. Like, say, today I've done a, a gym routine and then I'll wash a couple of cars. Then I'll do some psychology and then I'll do another workout. So I'm trying to have some tasks to do all day. Are you talking to clients at all? Yeah, but it's all online now. It's all over the phone and online. Right, exactly. Same as me. That's that's how I'm handling. I'm doing FaceTime. Yeah, I, I had three three uh, clients yesterday. Two FaceTime and one phone session. And yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's different as a therapist because we like that interpersonal contact, right? You like to have that yeah, interpersonal like contact yeah. with people. So how are your how are your athletes that you're work? Do you, do you work with some professional athletes? Yeah, I mean they've they've all converted their gardens into exercise places. Interesting. Um, I've got a rower who's got a rowing machine in the back garden. I've got a rugby player who's just using the garden for shuttle runs and stuff, and people are just being quite creative, really. Well, you just, yeah, there you go. Creativity. Having that creativity is very important, and, and being able to be flexible and adjust. Are you, finding, yeah. are you finding some of the athletes you work with are having a difficult time making these adjustments? Athletes have to be flexible. You know, because yeah. if you're an athlete, you, you may not, you know, let's face it. If you're a professional athlete, at least here in the United States anymore, you're usually not going to stay in the one team your whole career. That rarely happens anymore. You're going to get traded. Yeah. You're going to move around. So being able to be flexible is something I've always talked with athletes about. So now with your training, they've got to be able to be flexible, right? Yeah, exactly. You need that psychological flexibility. So um, what are some of the frustrations some of them are having that you're dealing with? Well, I think a lot of them are just missing the social aspects of it, like missing seeing the friends and stuff like that. And um, we are social animals. We like the social element of, you know, relationships and stuff. And uh, at the moment, we're just ringing people and FaceTime and stuff like that. So it's a, it's a bit different to, than what we're used to. So what do you say to them? As, 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 a, as a therapist to them working in this area, what do you say to them to help them cope with that? 
Well, I try and make it clear. Make, try and sort of get them to think about it as being a temporary thing. It's not going to be, hopefully, not permanent for, you know, the rest of our lives. It's a temporary measure until they get it under control. Um, and just, like I say, just trying to get some structure in the day and set some tasks, some goals, daily things they can do. Um, trying to keep busy so you're not just sitting around all day. The time goes faster if you're occupied. You know, I do a lot of work. I do a lot of work with the athletes I work with in all sports, and have throughout my 39 years of work with in visualization. And I have on my website these relaxation visualization exercises that I try to, you know, the, the clients I work with to purchase. And of course, anybody can get them. They go on my website. But um, I think taking some time, if you're an athlete, I think it's important to take some time to visualize every day. So take five yeah. to 20 minutes, and just see yourself playing your sport. Because when this does end. You're going to need to come back. And, of course, research has found, Stephen, as you know, that athletes who visualize have an 80 to 85% greater chance of success than the ones that don't. Right? Yeah. So, so what would you say about that? Yeah, I think getting any of that functional equivalence where you do, you know, the same neural connections are going to fire if you do the imagery. Um, so it helps to keep you a bit sharper than when you do actually return. Um, some of the imagery on PetLep, I don't know if you've heard of that. No, tell um, us about that. Yeah, well, pet lab's just um, just a, a method, like a structure of visualization. So you go through different things, like physical aspects. You, you try and, you know, recreate the the physical aspects. So you might dress up in your kit, say. You know, if you're, you know, a tennis player in the back garden, you might put your tennis kit on. Uh, if you're a golfer, you might, you know, put something down on the grass. So you, so you get the feel of what the environment's like. So it takes you through a whole system of, trying to recreate that real-life experience using imagery. And that is very helpful. Listen, joining me today is Stephen Renwick. He's a sports psychology expert in Manchester, England. We're talking about how things are being coped with over there in England. And if you're an athlete, how are you coping with this coronavirus scenario? How are you coping with being shut down in your home? Stephen's talked about how he's developed his own gym and his, his garden and his garage. I'd like to hear from you if you're a coach, you're an athlete, you're a fan. You're missing sports. How are you coping? Give me a call and let's talk. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology this Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist... With 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive, realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com radio. That's winnersunlimited.com radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com radio. 
Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project, so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this, or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811 brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. If you suffer from COPD symptoms like shortness of breath and fatigue, where do you turn? There are medications and oxygen, but do you know about pulmonary rehab? Three out of five COPD patients have never heard of it. Pulmonary rehab is an exercise, education, and support program that gives you tools to manage your condition, and Medicare typically pays for it. So whether it's grocery shopping on your own or just walking across the room, pulmonary rehab can help you. Visit livebetter.org to find out about your options for pulmonary rehab today. Here's farmer and landowner John Prue. We purchased the land about three years ago, and there was an old farmstead on there with trees. We were going to clear the land so we could farm through it. We thought we knew where the pipe was, so we didn't call to get it located. The work on our property led to the damage of a light crude pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety Campaign. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Good morning, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB. The last couple shows, we've been dealing more with life. And joining me live from Manchester, England, is Stephen Renwick, who's a sports psychology expert over there. And So, Stephen, you've been sharing with us how you've been coping with the change for yourself, with your training. You, you converted your garage and your garden into exercise areas, and I think that's great. Um, what are some of, the stre- some of the concerns and stressors that some of the athletes you work with have been sharing with you? I think, it, I think they're missing the... Um the real-life training, like, for example, if you're a rower, they're missing the water. Um, they're missing the competition element of sport. 
and the, and the, some of them have prepared really well and, and been entered into say national competitions or national championships and now they've they've been postponed so it's a bit of a roller coaster at the moment so how are you helping them to cope with that because that's that's you know that's one of the things that a lot of the athletes I'm working with are asking me doc how do I deal with this how do I get by and well go, go ahead it's about accepting the situation as it is and we can't really control certain factors so I try and get the athletes to focus on what they can control rather than what they've got no control over. Are people taking this crisis as seriously there as, as it, you know, a lot of people in the United States have been criticized for not taking this serious, although I think now it's becoming more evident that it has to be done that way. Has that been the case in England? Some people were blowing this off and saying, oh, it's not going to bother me, it's not going to affect me. Yeah, they were last week. They were going out having uh, garden parties and visiting tourist attractions and things like that but they've, they've really clamped down on that now um, are you working with any athletes who would be uh, possibly competing in the upcoming Olympics uh, not at the moment no I've had not a couple I've had a couple this past year that I've been working with and haven't talked with either of them in about a month um, because they both decided to, to stop training what's your thought, thought about postponing the Olympics well if this virus is this can sort of uh, spread as fast as it, it uh, is believed to. Um, I'd imagine the less contact you have with people, the better, really. Not just for the athletes, but for the fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah you don't want anyone there. Why do you dying think from COVID nineteen? Okay, as, as you know, one of the things that concerned me was the the amount of time it took for them to decide to do that, and I think the financial aspect of the Olympics played a key role in that what do you think about that yeah i think i think money money affects a lot of people's decisions i mean over here we've had people who are self-employed who have got a choice between having no money and no food on the table or their health and some have been still going to work so it's a very tricky situation what's the as as someone who works in this field as i do when someone is talking to you about their fears about this whole situation how do you try to get them to cope with it and work through it? Well, I'll try and keep it in perspective. If you look at the percentages of people who probably die from it, it's, it's still quite low. And people who've got underlying health conditions, but you try and keep it in perspective, really. Um, it's obviously not a very nice virus to catch, but it seems to affect people differently. Exactly. I had a, I had a uh, college basketball player yesterday who... He's been home for two straight weeks, has not left her house, and is scared. Is just scared. Very healthy young lady. She's overcome two knee surgeries in the last two years. Very competitive young lady and, and very stressed about this. And she said, Doc, I'm, there's two things. I'm, I'm scared and I'm, I'm fearful. I'm scared, yeah. scared, and I'm fearful something's going to happen. And I said, okay, well, you know, we looked at the statistically – I said, let's try and put things in perspective. You're staying home. You're washing your hands. You're not in contact with people. She goes, yeah, yeah. I, I don't go to the store. My, my parents have gone to the store. I haven't gone. I have just gone outside on a walk with my sister, but we've kept our distance. I said, then you're doing the right things. I mean, and I think yeah. that's right. You've got to put things in perspective. I mean, is there a chance we're going to catch it? Yes, there's a chance. Is there a chance you catch it and get really sick? That's less. Is there a chance you catch it, get really sick and, and pass away? That's even less, although it's there. So that fear is there. And, and so obviously 
you, know, you guys call it football, but soccer, as we call it over there, is huge. Yeah. How have the fans dealt with that? Because I know for a while the games were still going on until just a couple weeks ago, weren't they? Yeah, it's tricky. I mean, they're talking about having uh, matches behind closed doors for um, uh, for a whole week or something to try and lift the spirits of the country and things like this. Um, I mean, over here you've got people running marathons in their back garden. They're doing like 800, 900 laps in their garden, running 26 miles. Really? I had not heard yeah. that yet. Yeah, we've got two, two people on the news this week who've run marathons in their back garden. Run 26-mile races in their backyard. Yeah, and they've got a whole lap laid out, and they just run around 800, 900 times, and they, they run a marathon. What do you think is going to be the best way to come back from this? As an athlete, when, when things start to get better, which hopefully they will, and you can get back into training and interacting with other people, from your perspective, what would you suggest to people? Because a lot of people are going to be so wired and, and, and excited to get out there and do things with people that they may overdo it, and that's where injuries can happen because they're going to try too hard and get in it too fast. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, they've got to, they've got to pace themselves and probably realize that they might not be as good as they were when before this all started and allow them a time to uh, you know, get back into it again without going a bit crazy. So what would you suggest to them to do? right now leading up probably, to that I probably, I probably encourage people to keep doing some form of exercise routines at home there's a lot of online stuff now there's fitness trainers doing online videos you've got Peloton on the bikes there's a lot a lot of classes online so you can still keep the, the physical activity up and exercise and then gradually get back into it when it's safe you see I, I look at this scenario I mean I, I, I think this is an opportunity for all of us to do some self-introspection and to look inside ourselves and ask ourselves, where are we going with our lives? What's the direction? What's our focus? What do we want to accomplish? And, and are we on the path to get there? And, yeah. you know, this, this obviously puts a, puts a pause on your life. It's a pause on, on everyone's life. So, yeah. so I know there are people who are angry and, 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 ticked off and irritated and frustrated and that's understandable obviously but at the same time how can you make the most of the situation i you know there, there's always i guess Stephen, there's that that glass half full or half empty perspective Do, are you getting some of that from some of your athletes as well yeah i mean um i think um people are adapting quite well to it but i think they just need to be given that encouragement and that sort of uh way of looking at this and trying to take some positives from it without being too negative about it. What's the most frustrating thing you've heard from an athlete so far? I think it's just the, it's just the people who've been training really hard to get to some level where they can enter, say, a national competition and then find out they can't go into it now because they've all been cancelled. So you sort of there's a disappointment element to it. So that fear that maybe it's never going to happen? Yeah. Like this is yeah, my last... I think it's about not not getting caught up or entangled with those sort of thoughts because it's just a delay thing. It doesn't mean it's never going to happen. So what do you tell them? Well, keep, keep, keep training, keep working hard from home, 
keep the fitness levels up, keep busy, try and spend the time maybe doing some things that you hadn't had time to do before and work on yourself mentally because mental skills you can do at home. A lot of people a lot of people think the mental side of sport is very important, but they don't practice the mental side of sport. They do loads on the fitness side. Exactly. It's a good opportunity to do a lot of time on the mental aspect as well. Well, in our last segment here in a few minutes, I'd like to talk about that, how we can help people with that mental side. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Joining me from Manchester, England, Stephen Renwick, sports psychology expert over there. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com radio. That's winnersunlimited.com radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com radio. Here's farmer and businessman James Wood. We farm about 3,500 acres. There's pipelines everywhere. The contractor working on my property did not have the lines located before he began work, and it resulted on a strike on a natural gas pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety Campaign. All across the country, people are coming together to speed up what we can learn about health. The All of Us Research Program is calling on one million people to join us as we try to change the future of health. For your family, for future generations, for all of us. Visit joinallofus.org and find out how you can become one in a million. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration.
This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Good morning, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week. Our show is rebroadcast around the country, a number of cities throughout the week. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. And joining me from Manchester, England, is Stephen Renwick, a sports psychology expert over there. And we've been talking about how, how Stephen's dealing with this coronavirus pandemic and how things are in England as well. And, it, you know, it's really not any different than it is in the United States or really anywhere else. Stephen, for you personally, how are you going to come back from this when everything starts to, eat, to, to get better? Assuming it does, which, which we have to be positive about, that the things will get better. Are you going to want to jump into things? Are you going to take things slow? How, how do you think you yourself personally are going to, to come back? I think it'll be fine. I think, um, I think it's how we spend our time now developing ourselves as people and uh, checking where our lives are going, checking what's most important to us in life. Um, things like this make you realize that your health is obviously very important um, rather than you know, becoming obsessed with material things and money and stuff like that. Um, I think it's about getting to a point where you, you, you sort of, you, you're working on yourself as a person and trying to help other people. So, for example, the NHS over here, we've got this Good Sam program going on where you get volunteers to help other people. So you can help, you know, you can help people over the phone and things like that. So, um or you can help by delivering groceries and things like this. Um, so I think it's, it's just uh, reconnecting with your values and checking where your life's going, things like that. It's giving people a, a bit of time to reflect and sit back and look at where they're going and things. Well, I think there's two options we have. We can sit here and do what you're suggesting, which I'll comment on in a moment, or you can brood and be angry. Blame people, get angry at politicians, get angry at all kinds of people about this. That doesn't accomplish anything. I think it's, it's, it's a good time for self-introspection and, and looking at yourself, as you said, maybe reevaluate where you're at in life and, like you said, what really matters. And one of the things that I'm doing personally is every couple of days I'm, I'm contacting somebody I haven't talked to in a while. In fact, yesterday when I was on, on a walk, a, a good friend of mine I grew up with called me, and I haven't heard from him in, gosh, a couple of years. We talked yeah. for about 20, 25 minutes. It was great to catch up with him again. So I'm yeah. trying to do that every two, three days contact somebody I haven't spoken to or, or had interaction with who's I'm 65 so I've met a lot of people just trying to keep up with people I think I think that's a good time to do that but I think also like you said look at yourself you know we can we can we can grow as a person now dramatically if we try to look at this and in, in, you know how can I learn about myself right now right I mean isn't that what you're saying yeah I think it, I think people are just that busy in their lives normally this is giving people a sort of time to sit back and reflect on what they're doing and where they're going and you know what their values are and things like that and uh, how they can contribute more to society you know i was saying on my website you can have two athletes who are physically the same but the one with a stronger mind will come out on top and, and what i mean by a stronger mind is i think having a, a a game plan having a perspective about who you are and what you're about you know we spend so much time I know in, in in England, obviously, you know, football or soccer, as we call it over here, is 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 obviously you know the the big sport, and the fa- you know we hear about the hooliganism and all that type of stuff. How people go crazy with that? They start to identify so much with that. 
do you think some of those people maybe are now because they're missing that may take some time to think about who they are and where they're at with their lives? Or are you hearing some of that in the media over there that people are taking starting to realize I've got to start looking at myself a little bit deeper and not identify so much with the professional sports team, but more on myself? I think uh, I think we'll, we'll probably hear more of that as it goes on, because the longer it goes on, the more time you've got to sort of sit back and think about things. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, the football in the, in the country over here is a, a very, very popular sport, and I think people will start to miss that. Um, but, yeah, um, I, think, um, I think it's just a, a really good opportunity to sit back and reflect and think about what you're doing, think about where you're going, think about how you can help other people, and, and we all need to sort of come together to, to get through it because it's going to be a difficult time. Okay, one word I haven't mentioned is anger. I know a lot of people are angry about this. How are you helping some of the athletes? Have you had to have? Have you had some athletes tell you how angry they are about this whole situation? Uh, I haven't had many athletes saying they're angry about it. I think some are frustrated, but I think if if somebody was angry about it, I think that energy could be channeled in a more productive way um, by maybe you know diverting that energy and getting to help other people um, instead of. You know, just being angry at home all day. Okay. I think I think what you just said right there, this entire interview, that may be the most helpful thing for anybody. Take that anger is energy, anger is intensity, and try to direct that in a constructive, positive way towards helping other people. Yeah, how can you help other people? Of course, right now we can't have physical contact with other people, but you can socially have social contact in the sense of, of, of interacting on the phone or internet-wise, right? I mean, you, you can't, yeah. you have to keep the social, physical, the physical distance, but you don't have to keep the psychological distance. So yeah, yeah. maybe contacting somebody, a neighbor, somebody who's older, maybe somebody you're concerned about giving them a call or emailing them or texting or whatever you might do, however you contact them, you know, without physically contacting, but, yeah. but doing that, right? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll probably phone my mother now about eight times a day. I used to phone her about five times a day. Is she tired of hearing from you? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, she's not, no. Um, well, the dogs that I talk to, the dog as well, he's there. Uh, um, <laughs> but it doesn't say very much back. Yes, yeah, just well. Yeah, my mother. My mother is an assisted living in in uh, Los Angeles, and she's in a very safe in, uh, place. But she she actually uh, contacted me twice yesterday. She, which is good, which is great. She told me, don't do not touch her face. Do not touch her face. This is serious. And I told her, don't, don't worry about that. But you know, I, I think what you just said right there. You know, channeling your energy in a positive way. Yeah. And and. Taking some time to grow. This is, this is, you know, we don't, we're in such a fast society, fast moving society today, and there's so many, just so many things going on. It's putting a stop on everything. And it's giving. A friend of mine called uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer. Uh, you probably heard of him. Yes, very famous he person. said to me, uh, you don't die from the snake bite, you die from the, the venom that travels in your veins. Yeah. So it's about how you respond to these it's things. A, it's about your coping mechanisms. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you're angry for years and years and months and months, it's going to eat you away. So, as a sports psychology expert, you've worked you, and as a former professional athlete, professional tennis player. Okay, what what would be the sort of final advice you'd want to give to our listeners from from your perspective on how to how to get through this the best way? Well, I think um, it, it's a bit like a chapter in a book. It's, it's going to be a difficult chapter, and it's how you approach it. You know, if you had a difficult opponent, how would you how would you respond to that opponent, you know? Um, 
think it's how you perceive it, and then try and make, try and control the controllable things in your life. Like you know, you exercise, you structure for the day, and let go of things that you can't control. I think that's great advice. A, a very close friend of mine, a man named Barnett Helsberg. Uh, built a, a jewelry company here in, in Kansas City nationally called Hellsburg Diamonds that sold years ago. But he, he participated in a seminar that uh, I put on back, gosh, how many years? In the mid-90s. And in, in his speech, he said, control the controllables. And and that statement is something I've I've shared with my clients. What can what do you have control over about yourself? Yeah. Not other Not other people. Yeah. But yourself. So how can you focus on that? And I think that's what you're saying here. Focus on what are the things you can do about you to take charge yeah. of you? Yeah, like, for example, you know, how can I contribute to help other people's lives out? You know, I can ring an elderly person up, check how they're doing, things like that, rather than being angry at the situation that doesn't really help anybody. Well, Stephen, I really appreciate you joining us from Manchester, England this morning. And I love the fact that you've converted your garden and your garage and exercise areas I, yeah. I, love, I love the fact you're telling me people are running marathons in their backyard. Yeah, so yeah. so people have, are finding ways to cope with this. And we will get through it, but so much of this is going to be the mindset, the attitude people have to have. It is a frustrating time. It is a stressful time. Yeah. And it's it's the key thing, I think, for all of us is psychologically trying to have the right attitude about how we're going to react and cope. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine many people thought of running a marathon in the back garden, but that's how creative people can get. <laughs> well, but that's also using your imagination and your mindset yeah. to help you. Listen, I want to thank Amazing. you for joining us today. How can people reach you if they'd like to get a hold of you? I know I know, you've been on with us before, and I will have you on again. If people want to get a hold of you, how can they get a hold of you over in Manchester? Uh, Renwickresearch.co.uk is probably the best email me through the website. Okay. Well, I want to thank you for joining us today. And uh, go do your workout in your garden now that we're done. Yeah. And uh, thank you so much, and I'll be, I'll be in touch. And, and you take care and be safe. Yeah, it's a pleasure to speak to you. Yes. Well, thank you so much. Take care. Thanks, Dr. Jacobs. Okay. Th- that was Stephen Renwick, sports psychology expert in Manchester, England, who joined us today. Great interview, and I think he had some great, great comments, great advice for us. You know, I love doing this show. I've been on the radio for 29 years here in Kansas City. And obviously this is a time none of us have ever experienced before we're dealing with things we have never had to cope with you've been listening to the sports psychology hour for more information go to winnersunlimited.com i'm dr andrew jacobs as a sports psychologist With 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive, realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. 
If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section. When dad injured his back... When your basketball star tore his ACL, opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country, and tragically, More than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets. Anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you, too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. <laughs> 